I don't know. Like some people say, I look like I'm from Egypt, Morocco. Somebody did say I look like I was from Congo. But this, <laughs> these kids I was working with yesterday hmm. said, "No, you don't look like you're from a Congo. Maybe Morocco." Let me tell you about Dr. Ram Bhagat. Uh, Dr. Bhagat taught science for 30 years in public schools, including three years at Hermitage High School in Henrico County Public Schools, and 27 years in Richmond Public Schools, including 13 years at John Marshall High School, uh, Thomas Jefferson High School, the Governor's School, and Community High School, and 14 years at Open High School. He received a B.S. in Medical Microbiology from Virginia State University, a B.S. in Science Teacher Education from Virginia Commonwealth University, and a Master's of Education in School and Community Counseling from Virginia Commonwealth University. He also received a Post-Master's Certificate and Doctor of Education degree in Educational Leadership from Virginia Commonwealth University, so all the degrees. Uh, In 1994, Dr. Bergat formed Drums No Guns, which is a percussion ensemble encouraging people to reject gun violence through drumming, dance, and drama. He currently works with the Richmond Peace Education Center, the Richmond Youth Peace Project, which he founded, and the Conciliation Project, where he serves as the board president. Uh, Dr. Bergat leads emotional emancipation circles in Virginia, was an inaugural member of the International Healing and Rebuilding Our Communities Training in Burundi, East Africa, and teaches strategies for trauma awareness and resilience in 2017. He also supports the Armstrong Priorities Freshman Academy at Armstrong High School, using mindfulness, education, yoga, and drumming to help students live up to their full potential in East Richmond. That's how he and I know each other. Uh, Dr. Bergat is an active advocate for peace and a supporter of students who have experienced trauma in their lives. So my first question is, how does someone go from medical microbiology... (laughs) To drumming. Oh my God. That's a jump. No, actually, it's all connected mm-hmm. because, um, I mean, the the, the uh, backstory to how I even got into microbiology was kind of divergent like that, too, because I, I started off um, one major, then I went to another major, another major, and finally ended up in microbiology, but not by accident. Um, when I was in high school, my senior year, I was like, into exploratory quest of the mind and I I, um, acknowledged or realized that I wanted to study yoga Mm. so I got to Virginia State and it was the second semester of my freshman year at Virginia State and I came across this flyer talking about yoga and I started going to the classes Mm. and you know back then I was I guess I was under the illusion that yoga should be free. It was not like it is now. Nope. It was definitely not like it is now. And so, um, anyway, I met this man from India who happened to be a teacher in microbiology Mm. and a yoga teacher. And make a long story shorter, um, he became my guru, Mm. my yoga teacher, because I wanted to have that, or I perceived myself having this um, teacher disciple master disciple kind of relationship so Hmm. he's been in my life i've been in his life since 1975 wow and so that's how i got into medical microbiology and drumming was something that i kind of wanted to do when i was in 
in um, middle school, I think. Yeah, middle school. Mm. I was started taking, um, root, learning rudiments, but I didn't stick with it. So again, at Virginia State, that probably around the same time, I got this urge to start learning how to play percussion. Mm. And um, my dad got me my first pair of congas, like he talks about in the TED Talk. Mm. Those white LPs, I started playing, playing congas. I had some of the greatest teachers in different traditions, like Afro-Cuban, Afro-Brazilian, African. Um, I'm from New Haven, Connecticut, so... Mm. I just I'm just like imagining the teachers that I had, hmm. and so that's how they converged. So basically, it's not a big jump. It's that there's unity and diversity. Those are some one like one of the basic principles that I learned through studying microbiology, uh, in studying those cells and those bacteria and viruses, and um, and I and I always saw like the big picture even when I was studying health and um, and education. Mm. And and just everything I, I saw how they were all interrelated, mm. and so let me just make a quick correction. That was, yeah. You told me it was going to be flattering, right? <laughs> it was flattering. It was super flattering. So I just want to correct that. I taught at Richmond Community. That's kind of where ah. my incubator was mm. of educational theory and practice. And I taught, taught there for seven years. Okay. I taught for John Marshall at three for three years. And that was the birthplace, really, of Drums, No Guns in the Schools, mm. really, because um, we're talking about, I think it was, yeah, just a, all of those school shootings. Mm. And so working with the kids at, well, I don't want to call them kids, working at the young people at John Marshall, that's where we perfected the whole idea of the edgy concert, mm. um, integrating those three, three Ds, um, mm-hmm. drumming, dance, and drama. And then when I went to Open High, that's where I started to infuse the arts into sciences. Before STEAM and STEM. And, right. No, STEM I think might have been around, but before STEAM, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I was at, that's where I ended my career in Richmond or in Virginia. And add one more year to that 30, I taught in D.C. Oh, um, man. At Baloo, <coughs> Baloo High School. Yeah. And that's where I got in, started really getting into the... Um, restorative practices and trauma awareness and that's where I got another level of education from my students that just mm. you know showed me how to build relationships stronger relationships yeah if I could predict the theme across um, every answer you're going to give today it'll be that everything is connected yeah right that tends to be the case let me talk about the kind of world that you you work in with the um, services that you provide we we talk increasingly in um, the K-12 education world about supporting, um, you frequently hear them called like non-academic skills in students. Sometimes they're called soft skills, 21st century skills, sometimes non-cognitive skills, um, and social-emotional skills. Some circles also call this character development. Uh, what are your thoughts about how we label this kind of focus on student development? You mean in terms of the the, the um, titles that we yeah, get? Yeah, the terminology. I, th- I think the titles and terminology are, like we were talking about earlier, they're really reductionist. And mm-hmm. so, like, first of all, soft skills compared to hard skills, there's implicit bias in that statement right mm-hmm. off the top. Because those skills are that, that are considered soft skills are essential to relationships, cooperation, communication, creativity, collaboration. So... I mean, it's like yin and yang, I guess. Mm-hmm. But with 
without the theory and understanding behind yin and yang. Mm. Because it's trying to reduce something or make something seem like it's not as important as something else. Mm. Just like quantitative, qualitative research. Like, quali- it, ha- it must be quantitative, you know, mm. to be valid. So, I think those skills are essential because we know now um, from more up-to-date understanding of physiology and neurology that the heart is is almost like a brain in and of itself in terms of its function. Mm. And so the heart and the mind are connected. When they're disconnected, then there's going to be imbalance on an individual level. And so I guess the microbiology with the yoga and the drumming and just being able to balance right and left brain hemisphere, mm. which they're connected. It's not like somebody's white right brain somebody's right left brain. Mm-hmm. But I guess it dis- I think it diminishes it, but those are really potent skills that are necessary because in the classroom you have to build a relationship that is is meaningful and deep mm. and we hear that said over and over and over again but um, I found like as during the, during my time as a teacher that more projects more creative things that tapped into what the students knew mm. what the students were passionate about um it's a lot more memorable. It creates a lot more meaning for their lives than just like trying to go by some standard hard skill approach. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Character development, I think, is um, maybe particularly guilty of what you're describing yeah. there because it kind of implies that somebody doesn't have character yeah. in some ways. It's like the banking concept. Mm. It's like we're going to assume that this is an empty vessel mm. and. We're going to fill it up with the knowledge that we deem is appropriate, mm-hmm. which sets up the whole situation for uh, narration sickness, mm-hmm. or let's take it to cultural clash, because who is deciding, who is designing, who is writing that curricula, mm-hmm. and what's their educational philosophy? Mm-hmm. And what we have to do is look at the results, and we see the, the you know disparate. Um, the disparities mm. we see the disparities yet um, it's almost like back to the hard skills soft skills somebody's to blame mm. when it's like a persistent problem mm. you know that of course there's a, a solution for it and maybe it's it's, it's um, transforming the mindset mm. transform like a cultural shift within the way that we um, perceive schooling. Hmm. So that raises a whole lot of other questions, too. Yeah. Could you give me a definition of narrative sickness? I've never heard oh, of Also, like, that's, um, you know, the idea of the banking concept hmm. where the teacher knows all and they're um, depositing the knowledge. And it's, that's sort of metaphorical for um, we're going to follow these SOL standards. We're going to teach minute by minute. Anybody walking in, should be able to look at my lesson plan and know what I'm doing at that specific time. Mm-hmm. So if you have seven hours of that a day times five days a week times how many days per month and how many years, even before you probably get to the third year, you're going to have narration sickness because mm-hmm. you have somebody just talking to you, talking sure. to you, talking to you, and then you're going to regurgitate that, regurgitate that up. Mm-hmm. And imagine you're trying to keep young, vibrant, uh, energetic uh, students, males, 
particularly refined have sort of this uh, propensity for a kinesthetic. You want them to sit down and be quiet mm. for, for for 13 years. Mm. It's not going to happen, and it shouldn't happen. Yeah. So those so-called soft skills are important to build community. And if we don't have community, it's something I call social arrhythmia, mm. where you have community out of balance. And what you get is you get um, disconnection, you get um, alienation, and you get distrust mm. or mistrust. And you find those in most of our urban schools. Mm. There's going to be an extreme sense of distrust. Mm. It takes a lot to build trust with students in schools, uh, our urban schools. And um, there's alienation. That's, that's um, I know it's not a, a biological disease, but I'll still use the description. That's pandemic. Mm. You know, the alienation, depression, and um, definitely disconnection, where we just don't have that, that um, you know, that sense of, we can talk about things. We can communicate about issues. We know how to dialogue. We, that's why we need soft skills. Back yeah. to that, you know, kind of referring back to that first question. So that's how I, I don't know if it was like a clear pinpoint definition, but basically it's, you know, being talked at and presented with a curriculum that doesn't relate to you mm. or to your world or even take into consideration mm-hmm. your view of the world. Yeah. How do you think... Um, uh, this, I guess there's a couple of components to this. One, how do you think that um, supporting the social-emotional development of students is related to their academic growth? But also what you just described about making sure that you're culturally responsive and seeking connections rather than um, more of like a one-way delivery model for teaching and for um, imparting knowledge on somebody. How do you feel like um, connecting with students and building them socially and emotionally is connected with their academic outcomes that we see? I mean, I think it could be as simple as um, if you're feeling bad one day and you go to school, you're not going to be as focused. Mm. So, and, and it, it's, it's um, I mean, some we sometimes call it the whole child, teaching the whole child. And so um, we're not just engaging a mind. We're not just... Um, I, mean, I don't see. I don't see how you can separate the two. Like social, yeah, that's the problem right there. Like separating social emotional from cognitive. Like where mm. does that come from? When each one of us is an integrated, let's say, integrated model, integrated organism. So we're going to be affected by things emotionally. We'll be students are affected by the moods of the teacher. Teachers are affected by the moods of the students, so we want to create a climate in the classroom where it's conducive to dignity, conducive to respect, and conducive to learning. If we don't have that, then it's going to be a challenge to try to deliver a curriculum that is somewhat static. And I find it kind of sad that teachers feel compelled, not even really compelled, but they feel um, sort of restricted to a certain curriculum like they don't even see a lot of teachers don't see that even within that the constraints of a prescribed model you can introduce creativity in that component that's sad Mm. and um, and I think that's indicative of the failing school system we have and Mm. I would say it's it's failing in a sense that on an international level, we're not 
as competitive as I mean you know in a competitive world we're not competitive but we're not we're not number one like we always want to be mm-hmm. or we always like you know brag about being falling behind in a lot of crucial areas and um, and just what we see happening to students dropout rates um, suspension rates um, reading you know like all of those things are indicative of a failing system and instead of addressing the root causes of the problem the um, the consequences are sort of di- diffused over blame like mm-hmm. well these kids are this uneducable mm-hmm. or these you know these kids have these issues or it's it's all like sort of a a reflection of a society that is like out of balance social mm-hmm. arrhythmia out of balance that's where drumming and microbiology and education mm. converge but yeah so I, I think it, like I came up with that um, in my TED talk actually that's where I introduced that idea social arrhythmia and now it's really starting to settle down where I can really see that yeah this this is a society out of balance and we have to figure out ways to come come into balance and that's where arts integration I think plays a big role and that's where I think the drums fit in because really of all the different approaches that I've used through the years the drumming is the most universal mm-hmm. most impactful and most uh, yeah it's it, it, it like never fails in mm-hmm. any context mm-hmm. and how receptive are students typically to things like yoga and drumming drumming mostly receptive yoga um there's a lot of stereotypes about yoga. Yeah. And so the students, especially my students in, um, like in D.C. and my students over at Armstrong, they'll be like, all right, this is not for me. This is, you know, they'll say, well, white people do yoga, whatever. But, um, and, and, and this data actually does show that mostly white women practice mm-hmm. yoga. So. <laughs> so they're not wrong. <laughs> they're not wrong. Yeah. But it's for everybody. Mm. And it originated too in 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 African culture, Indian culture. I don't have to really go there. I just try to be consistent mm. and persistent. The phenomenal Jessica mm. Anderson, who's the d- director for the um, Armstrong Priorities Freshman Academy, had the students engaged in this activity, and so it was an activity where they were talking. It was like uh, speed talking, like concentric circles. Mm communication, learning how to communicate eye contact with adults, um, being sort of in a situation where your voice uh, has equity because somebody's listening to you. Mm -hmm. So this parent came in and was like, you know, why are they doing that? And, you know, I tried to break it down to her. And then uh, she said that her, something about her granddaughter, and I asked her, was her granddaughter in the leadership, Armstrong Leadership Program? And she asked me, what was that about? And I said, well, that's about like going to college. And she was like, college? My granddaughter ain't going to college. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that's a waste of time. And she's going to work. And it caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like, I was college, college. Mm-hmm. And, and even though I had to make a, um, a decision in my senior year, to, I better apply and go to college. Because I was in this program where I worked for two weeks, went to school for two weeks. And... I wasn't going to go to college, but the light bulb went off in my head, and I said, I have got to get out of my hometown. I got to go to college. I could just see what 
Mm-hmm. Um, it was connected. Yeah, what, yeah. what would happen. So that made me think, you know, I need to have, um, I need to be able to communicate in a way where I can get a point across without, like, getting into a, ba- a debate, but sharing a different point of view in a way that is um, empathetic mm-hmm. with with um, parents and students so that they can understand, like, the intent, the purpose, what I'm trying to tell them mm-hmm. without, you know, a long two-minute, three-minute explanation that they're going to shut off to. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about your work at Armstrong. And before we do, I should probably give a little bit of background about the freshman academy that you just described. So for the last um, three years now, I've been working with a freshman academy at Armstrong High School, which is a part of Richmond Public Schools. Um, Armstrong is a school where nearly 100% of the students receive free lunch subsidies under a community engagement provision. It's nearly 100% African American. It pulls from some very high poverty, concentrated poverty neighborhoods in East Richmond. Um, A lot of the students come into freshman year two years or more behind in reading and math and their standardized test scores. The idea of this academy is to provide these students with double curriculum in English and math to be able to support them academically, um, but also to provide things like tutoring, mentoring, and there's some other activities, um, things like that that are supposed to kind of help reinforce the experience for these students and support them in a, in a holistic way. It's been developing over time, and we've been evaluating this over the last few years. What we've learned over the first two years is that to be able to support a student academically, we really need to support them socially, emotionally, right? To give them the kind of holistic support they need to be able to figure out what kind of um, interventions make sense for supporting a student who maybe has experienced trauma or is in living in poverty and, and having some other struggles in their life so that they can um, have some academic success um, that can maybe help support future ambitions for them. And so here we are in the third full year of this program into Rambagat and his team to come in and do some work with mindfulness yoga drumming with these students. I'm curious about what your experience has been this year with the students. How's it gone? Well, yeah, it started, starts off as a challenge because you have to build that trust and it's different and like all the things you just described, you got to figure out a way to to navigate through those to get the students to um, to buy into what you're trying to offer. So it was really difficult in the beginning, but, I, but again, the persistence and um, the expectations and, and some flexibility in meeting the students where they are and, and then, you know, setting some, standard, some standards. But it's hard in the beginning to go in with, like, this prescribed program that you think is just going to run step by step by step. Mm-hmm. It has to be adaptive to what is going to um, resonate with the students. And it's about life lessons. It's also about, um, fortunately, not having the pressure of, well, you have to be doing this, you have to be doing that. So I would say that the, the climate at the school, the support, not necessarily climate, I just I don't want to keep throwing that word out, but the support from the community, the, the, the support from the, you know, the staff that's involved mm-hmm. and the administration makes this um, an awesome opportunity to see the transformative power of mm-hmm. what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Be- because the Freshman Academy is just one aspect of 
sort of this openness and flexibility to to serve this, these students and help them uh, realize their full potential. The leadership Armstrong Leadership Program, and then there's a, a lot of resources. So the thing that I find about Armstrong is it doesn't feel like there's just a saturation of good intention. It feels like there's like traction around mm-hmm. um, genuine, authentic caring. Mm-hmm. You know, it really does. And I agree. And Every I, time I've been there, I felt that. Too. And I can see like this is something that doesn't happen overnight. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. It's gonna. It takes a couple. Of, it takes a couple of years for it to be institutionalized into the program. But in the meantime, what happens? is that the students are, like, I'm providing, or we're providing students with opportunities that they otherwise would not have on a regular, just on a regular. Mm-hmm. So some of it you might not even see the benefit right now. Mm-hmm. You know, some of it you do because some of the students are doing things that they didn't do before. Um, we all also have been offering them opportunities outside of school, like taking them to see plays about, um, and, and like this play about gun violence that the conciliation project just just finished um, devising and producing. Some of the students went there. Um, I'm setting them up to do a performance in their gym in a couple of weeks, you know, bringing in some, some other people from the community. I wrote a grant. I didn't get the grant. It was kind of um, some technical things that I needed to work out, but I do have the opportunities for some other funding to come in to... Um, do this program I'm calling Massive Resilience, hmm. which integrates arts, culture, education, and health. So it encompasses the yoga, mindfulness, restorative circles, peacemaking circles, um, drumming, dance, drama, um, cult- conflict resolution, trauma awareness, trauma healing. So it encompasses all of those things. And I want to also bring in film. So back to that question the student asked. It's really about critical thinking, creative thinking, um, being adaptive, knowing how to communicate in different contexts, being exposed, all of those things I feel like. Um, even if they don't make the scores go up right away, they're, all, they're, they're increasing um, a different quotient. They're, they're increasing cultural awareness qu- quotient. And mm-hmm. then... Um, that's why I also think it's important for me, the folks who are working with me, and the, the teachers to, to communicate and collaborate so the teachers can feed off of what we're doing. We can feed off what they're doing. So if we're doing drumming and dance, maybe the teacher can throw in poetry or reading certain things to um, tackle you know, the challenge of improving the reading scores. Like, there's only so many things I can do at once. Like... I can do the social emotional piece, but not. But then it's not really my job to do the, um, you know, the educational context piece. Mm-hmm. But I have been thinking of how drama and reading certain things like James Baldwin maybe mm-hmm. and poetry can, you know, tap into that literacy piece. Mm-hmm. And, and I did, I was doing some things with that too around showing video clips and then having them in small groups and talking about um, their reflections and just the brilliance, man. The un, I'm not going to say it's 
I was going to say it's untapped, but it's not that it's untapped. It's it's almost like we've been programmed not to expect this type of brilliance from certain kids. Because mm-hmm. I also have a programming in Jackson Ward, because you mentioned like these this concentrated poverty. And Armstrong is like right in the epicenter of, it might be areas of highest concentration in the nation, but mm-hmm. so the kids are coming, the youth, the students are coming from these neighborhoods and when you when you can open up that portal and get in and have a conversation about things hmm. the brilliance that comes out is remarkable hmm. now I also see a lot of things from the elementary middle and high school that are alarming you know the uh, potential violence violence hmm. the aggression the um, inability to focus all of those things are characteristics of schools in, in, the, in high poverty um, racially segregated schools what do you want people to know about your students they are <laughs> I mean they're I, I, I would say first that you have to have patience you have to practice your breathing you have to practice your mindfulness because um, there is going to be an attempt, an onslaught of attempts to knock you off your center. And it's really just to, to see if you're for real, if you really care. Um, I've seen it in my own ex- interactions and, and their interactions with others. It's like you have to be open to the reality, without, but without judgment or, or try not to judge it. But then at the same time, you have to push back with this sense of uh, what is really expected or what is really uh, appropriate, you mm. know. But it's not going to change over, overnight. But but I I what what I want people to know is like when we when we pull the students out of this this environment, and the environment is set up in a way where you have to survive, you know. Like, but when you when you pull the kids out of sort of that facade where they have to be a certain way, you know, mm. peer pressure and all of that. And then you get them into another situation, you see their light shine. So we just keep offering what we have to give in a structured way, and we're seeing a lot more participation, and then also provide opportunities for them to present it to others. And that's where the greatness starts to to. Emerge and, and and what I want people to know is that like they might say, well, they might not pass their SOL scores. We don't know. Mm-hmm. They we don't. I mean, g- given time for this to to actually take full effect, I believe that um, not only will their scores go up, but their love of learning will increase. Mm-hmm. It's not just about what their scores will be, but I know one thing for sure that they'll always remember this. They'll always remember me. They'll always remember these people like you and the other people who come in and with sincerity and, um, you know, some determination, too, aren't giving up on them. And so you'll see them three years from now, two years from now, whenever, and they're going to say, um, I remember when you taught me such and such. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it had to do with this, but I'm glad you did it. Mm-hmm. And 
it's you know it's it's a it's 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 like it's like um being a karma yogi it's like service to to humanity i really do think that uh life is about connections and um i'm grateful every day that i've had a chance to get connected with armstrong high school in this program um not the least of which getting to meet you and to learn about the work that you do and get to have any any excuse to talk to and learn from Dr. Ron Bagot, man. I'm a I'm a fortunate guy. Thank you for your time and perspective and the work you're doing at Armstrong and for our students in Richmond. We're grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.